It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. Eagles outside linebacker Connor Barwin joins us. I heard you guys are the best Eagles podcast there is out there in Philly, so I'm excited to talk to you guys. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have reached episode number 124, and uh, we thank you as always for tuning in to this episode. We actually went live, but uh, we had so many monsters and, and little demons in the system that I just wanted to come on and say hello before we got this thing uh, underway here. But it was myself and James Zeltzer. We went through everything just right after the chip press conference, and we reacted to uh, a bunch of different stuff. So wanted to thank everybody for tuning in once again. Of course, as always, if you are listening to this on Stitcher or SoundCloud, and especially iTunes, if you could rate, subscribe, and review, uh, we want all your feedback to try and make this the best Eagles podcast that it possibly can be. So good, bad, or otherwise, we want to hear from you. But here is us from this afternoon, and we hope you enjoy. BGN Radio, it is episode number 124. And, uh, you know, we don't have good news. It's just, it was... It was a very bad, very hot, takey morning here, James. What's happening, buddy? John, I think that was a very appropriate way to start the show. Yeah, we're, we're probably going to uh, fix that in post real quick. So if you're yeah, listening to this live, but, you get the sample of the of the weird Goonie, uh, you know, intro like today. That. It's like a uh, one of those uh, Easter egg type of things. Yeah. So let's try. Maybe we'll try one more time for everybody here. What's going on, bleeding green nations? We are uh, just trying to. I don't know. Chip just got done speaking, but it really doesn't matter. Look, here's where I come away with this here, James. Carolina Panthers were a better football team, and we're trying to beat our head into, you know, what you know what went right and what went wrong. The game plan was all kind of nuts and, uh, you know, whatever. I did. There's throwing too many swing passes. There's doing all sorts of weird stuff. But I didn't think anything that I saw was that bad. I don't think it was the greatest game plan in the world, but... I mean, they were attacking the middle of the field. That's what we all thought on the preview show. It's what we thought when we were on uh, the Fanatic in the morning. We said this is going to be a dink and dunk type of football game because the way they played, the way that they're so physical, the way that their linebackers, uh, you know, get to uh, get into space so quickly. You basically, have a safety that's playing linebacker. 
So I'm okay with seven, that's right, seven swing passes out of 85 snaps to try and draw them away so you're not trying to like constantly run into a brick wall there. But what did you think of the game plan overall uh, with the Eagles on Sunday night? Yeah, I'm a little disappointed as well. I mean, I think we really should be mentioning that, uh, you know, what's what's really going down in Philly right now with college game day coming to Philly for those Temple Owls, <laughs> baby. Yes. Had to so, fit that in there, right? Uh, two-time Temple grad. If I didn't do it, I would have uh, wouldn't have been right. But uh, let, let's get back to the birds. Uh, I'm with you, John. I, I, I got the game plan. I think it was a little overdone. I, I felt, look, that Carolina defense is outstanding. Uh, we talked about on the preview show on the Fanatic, how good Davis and Keekley are in the middle. And, you know, we couldn't have gotten a better example or, or representation of that than that game last night. They were just flying everywhere. The speed is just, it, it's very intimidating. And, and thus, I, that, for that reason, once watching it play out, despite how I kind of felt going in, I felt like they should have adjusted more. I felt like those linebackers were too quick to dink and dunk it, especially to the sides there. Uh, a lot of, plays kind of stretching it out whether it was the the little swing passes or the sweep plays and I don't think that's going to work against that Carolina defense I think Keekley and Davis just get to too many plays and as a result that that was my biggest issue with the game plan also despite you know Dink and Dunk kind of being there I I know Chip it keeps telling us and he said it again in today's press conference you know this top-down coverage and it's how people are playing us I, I think you got to find a way to combat that uh, if you look at that Carolina defense, the weakest part of their defense, and again, not many weak parts, an outstanding defense, but but it's their safety play. They don't have great safety play. I think there there could have been opportunities to take a couple shots down the middle of the field there, a little bit deeper than they did. And but here's my, James, here's John. my problem with that. I always I always have a problem with that. You you how do you target safeties unless they're in one on one coverage? You don't target safeties. I mean, we see Chris Marigos taking snaps in diamond nickel. They don't go after them. They're going after the weakest part of whatever cornerback that is. Tell me what you guys mean by taking shots at the safety. No, not necessarily, John, just the safety. I'm saying that the back middle of their defense is the weakest part of their defense. I understand it's all about the coverages, but you've got to find a way to combat that a little bit. You can't just say, all right, they're taking everything away up top. We're just going to, just going to, you know, do this thing and dunk, especially when it wasn't working because of Keekley and Davis. Look, in that Atlanta second half, I, I was with you. I didn't have a problem. With them just, but what's the difference between those two things? I guess because it wasn't working against Carolina. The difference is that Atlanta doesn't have Keekley and Davis in the middle of the field to just destroy that game plan. Like they, what if Davis had 12, 13 tackles, Keekley had 10, 11? It just wasn't working. You weren't going to get those little swing passes to go anywhere. Yeah, but there were seven of them, James. It was seven. It's not just that. It was just the general game plan was was. And I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that whether it's the talent at receiver or or the game plan, you have to find a way to open it up. I, I don't know what you need to do. Maybe you need to call a trick play. I mean, you need to do something. I'm sorry. I'm not, I understand what you're saying, but th that's on coaching then. You got to find a way to, to open it up even a little bit. It was just too condensed. There was no way you were going to get anything against Davis and Keekley in that part of the field. I just think when you, uh, I don't know, I'm going to go back and watch this again. Obviously, when the All-22 comes out, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the difference, difference of opinions with, you know, were their wide receivers getting open? Was there an ability to take a shot down there? I still think they kind of took their shots where they were. That's why they got the pass interference call from Matthews later towards the second half. There were still 
you know, maybe three or four 20-yard plays. And there was a good throw to Ertz. There was, they were still working that middle of the field. In fact, when they started the football game, they had Murray run up right in the gut. Seven yards, 11 yards, they kept that going. Then they kind of cringed down. So I, I'm okay with keeping keeping things and just saying, like, okay, let's let's just see where this goes. Let's see if they can pursue all that. It's not like they kept doing it and doing it and doing it. Even on the sweep plays, I thought, in, in the running game, I didn't think we're that I don't think I've heard that bad, you know. Like I, I don't understand. I don't understand where where all that's kind of coming from. And if if you're in the club of just throwing downfield to throw downfield just to test it out, I'm not comfortable doing that. And you can tell that Sam Bradford. And granted, you can, you can go through his whole history, and we could say that yeah, his yards per average has always been down. And sure, there's there's some a lot of truth to that. There is. But if if you if they don't have the type of chemistry. Or already set up. If they don't, if he doesn't trust these guys, and this is what Tim McManus tweeted out today, uh, per PFF, twenty-five drops uh, thus far, and that's a rate of nine point one percent, which is the worst drop history since two thousand and seven. Not like since last year, since a couple of years goes eight years of football, nobody has been dropping more balls than the Philadelphia Eagles on this current football team. There's a lot that goes into that there. And it's the same no. thing with confidence, not only with Bradford, but the, establishing that uh, you know that wide receiver that relationship. Right. Sure, along with the confidence that Chip Kelly goes, man, these guys are dropping balls. So let's try and you know get them get them into the best space that they they, they know they can win, which they were last night. And if no. and if this was if if Jordan Matthews puts an extra foot down, and if Josh Huff makes that catch. We're talking about a completely different ball game, and we're saying that, yeah, the game plan wasn't bad, and they did enough to win. That's that's where my head's at here, Jim. That's why I can't like go, oh, this was a terrible game plan, because it wasn't. I, they were I'm moving the football. I'm not saying it was terrible. I'm not saying it was terrible. I, I, I get where you're coming from, and I agree with what you're saying for the most part. The drops are, were the biggest issue last night. There's no question, and they have been. For the most part, these guys have to catch these balls. Granted, a couple of them, you know, maybe the throws weren't perfect, but they're plays that need to be made. That first interception, that, you know, in the in the red zone before the Eagles got it back. Uh, you know, Matthews should make that catch. Not the best catch, a little behind him. He's got to make that catch. I am with you there. What I'm saying is that I, you have to figure. I understand trying to get these guys in the the best positions, but. I, I, it wasn't working. No matter what you did, these guys were not making plays. You, you got to try something explosive. You got to try something different, just based on how that's going. I just it, think it, that I think when you say that, though, there. I mean, like, how do the game that's, plan that's the wasn't question. the question. It was the execution of the game plan. I agree, but the point is, is once that's not working, once it's not executing, you have to try something. You have to do something, anything to get going. But what what is that though? Is that just keeping? Sp- I mean, that we're talking about drop passes. Like it's it's really hard to game plan for for drop passes. I don't know what that is. Maybe it is putting like, all right, Sproles, you're going to be the wide receiver from now on. Like you're just going to stick in the slot, and that's where gonna, we're going to go. I don't know how you fix drops either. Like how do you I fix? Well, that? yeah, I'm with you on that. Like I I I am. I I tweeted it last night and. and you know, I'm not. I'm. I've never been the the biggest Ruben Frank guy, but I will give him credit. He asked Chip today and said, "You know what? This Jugs thing because Chip did the, the Jordan Matthews on the Jugs at 7 a.m. If I hear that one more friggin' time, I'm going to lose my mind." Like, and and, and Frank went and said, "Hey, uh, you know what? Maybe they shouldn't be on the Jugs. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about maybe going a different route?" And and, and Chip seemed befuddled by it, and he was, "Ah, maybe I don't know." And and is just blaming it on 
on, you know, these guys overthinking. And, and maybe that's the case. That's fine. But take a different approach. Maybe Jordan Matthews shouldn't be on those friggin' jugs machines at 7 a.m. every morning then. Because that's not working. It's just not. Nothing that they're doing with this receiving core is working. Yeah, maybe they need uh, toilet paper. <laughs> start, start having breakfast like toilet paper and tennis balls and uh you know whatever exactly exactly you know what if you got to get cute and do something weird like that you see in the mo- the movies obviously not something like the program a stupid example where they make omar apps carry the ball around with it there, there you go or uh it's, what was that uh oh yeah or unnecessary roughness like you yes. know be the ball be the ball be the ball yeah, <laughs> ball's exactly. your friend the ball's your friend yeah what you gotta do man like just just think outside the box here because whatever you're doing the 7 a.m jugs the making them catch a million times whatever it is that you're doing it's absolutely not working well and there's a couple of people that have been saying that too it's just like hey this cut this thing kind of followed bradford all along here you know is it the spin of the ball is it how he's throwing it is how is it coming out and it looks it's not like a nice tight spiral like even the one to to miles austin towards the end of the game which he 100 percent should have fucking caught uh not that it would have mattered but still uh it's not i mean it let's it's not a matt castle like duck to the end zone which was hilarious yesterday and i guess uh, that's one a, of the all-time worst passes in the history of the NFL. <laughs> It was awesome. But it I don't know. Maybe there is something to that spin. And we've gone through the gamut now in seven weeks from Bradford has a noodle arm and not, and not enough, you know, zip to he's got too much zip and not enough touch to I mean it's it's just all over the place. And it's we're again, and this happens after every loss. And this is why I get so I don't know, I get a little amped up about it. Because every time that this football team loses it's always the game plan. It's Chip Kelly. Or it's Bradford or it's both. Like, that's the only two. And and rightfully so, that's what happens. But when they win, you don't hear about the game plan. Oh, yeah. The, or they it, it just transfers over to Bradford at that point. They won despite Sam Bradford. We don't get a chance to celebrate the defense. We don't do, you know, a lot of that. <laughs> we don't do any of that. So, like, every time that this happens, it's, oh, my God, dismantle this football team. Well, and, well, look, I, I can't I can't say that. You shouldn't feel that way. I mean, they're three and four. They're not a good football team right now. It, it looks like shit. Like the, it, this is it, it's sloppy. But the only saving grace that I saw yesterday was Sam Bradford didn't play awful, and it, and it ended up being the wide receivers. It's it just I feel like everybody just plays tag on this offense of whatever the goddamn problem is. So it's they can't run the ball now. They can run the ball now. They can't pass protect now. They can't pass protect. Uh, it doesn't matter because Sam Bradford still throws like shit. Now he throws well. Now the wide receivers are dropping balls. It is so frustrating, James. And I cannot figure out what the hell this offense needs to finally come together. Is it more talent? Do they need a number one guy here? It, I mean, is that just it? Is the, is the, does the offense just simply need a go-to guy, and that's what's going to make it try and move a little better? John, I didn't. Coming into the season, I didn't think the loss of Macklin would be that big. And I think of all the guys, and and it was the one I'm most okay with. Look, $13 million a year is still too much for Jeremy Macklin, regardless of what happens on the field. But in terms of how this team is built and looking at the the play we've seen on the field, having a guy like Macklin would have made a world of difference for this team. Uh, you need a guy you can rely on. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's that simple. You need a guy who, when you need a big play, you need a third down conversion. You need someone to get open in a big spot. You've got that guy and someone to catch the ball. And, and that was Macklin and, and they don't have that. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate, legitimate issue with this team yeah. right now. Uh, but let, look, let's let's spin that into what Chip said. Um, I was interested to get your take because when asked about 
a potential quarterback change, I think, by Tim McManus as well. Chip came back with not only, you know, are we not changing quarterbacks, but I am pleased with Sam Bradford's play. I, I think he's played well. I, I, I mean, that comes off to me as a, as a, as a, a hard statement to take at face value, John. Granted, I, I'm with you. I think Bradford was absolutely not at fault last night. I thought he actually played maybe the best game he's played as an Eagle, or at least one of them, even though the, the, results don't bear that out with the drops and all that i thought he he made a lot out of a little yesterday against a bad defense but on the whole can you say you're pleased with bradford's play uh overall no uh yesterday yes and and i've been saying this for a couple of weeks now like it is not it's not like it's it's a world-beating performance and you're looking at the yards per attempt which again i think plays more into the game plan than it actually does the quarterback but um I agree with that. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think that there is. Uh, so anybody can't hang their hat on and say this is the guy moving forward. I don't think we anybody can say that. And most of you out there probably think that it's it's time to move on. And I'm not going to say that's wrong because the if anything else comes along that's better, I'm all on board for for switching it out and going for it. But the unpopular opinion again today on Monday, the 26th of October. 2015 is that the reality of the situation is that Chip Kelly is going to stick with Sam Bradford for how long I don't know I don't know what kind of extension that they're going to kind of brew up but if he doesn't get injured he's going to be here next year and so is Mark Sanchez I think they keep this duo together until something better comes along you know I I don't expect them to to sink the cost and move on here but he has and the only thing that we can hope for is that he kind of started looking like the good part of St. Louis yesterday. Wasn't good enough, but it was still a lot better than any of the previous games leading up to this. The accuracy was a lot better. Uh, there were some throws that obviously he wanted back, and I don't know, again, we can you know come back to, I don't know whether it's more him, more the coverage, more the game plan of why they can't attack down the field with these tough defenses. But yeah. I also get it. I get it. You can't impose your will on this thing. I, I don't understand that. I will never understand throwing deep just to throw deep does not do anything for your football team. Running the football when you can't run the football does nothing for your football team. It doesn't. Right, it, John, John. But what I'm uh, and, and I, I want to get into Bradford. Uh, I want to I'm with you here. Uh, I'm just saying more so that that in those type of situations, I get it. But. It doesn't it come down to trying to find a way to, to coach yourself out of that? Uh, I mean, don't you have to try and say, all right, yeah, they're taking this away, but what can we do to make them think we're doing this, but instead we're going to take a shot downfield? I have better I, players, saying, honestly. Uh, yes. I, I, <laughs> may, you know what? Maybe that's it, but but as of now, that that's unacceptable. I mean, then, t- you know, figure something out. Try. I, I, but but you're probably right. But, but as far as Bradford goes last night, I thought the biggest thing for me with him was he showed so much more pocket presence than we've seen him yeah. have yet this year. He felt the rush. He was moving around. Obviously, he showed some wheels. Who's I coming? Well, Bradford running for, for a first down, making a couple runs back-to-back. But, but more so, it seemed like for the first time this year, he felt the rush coming. He was stepping up in the pocket. He was finding ways to avoid sacks. Uh, I, he was making throws with confidence. It was... Uh, it was a heartening performance from Bradford last night. I think you do have to say that. But on the whole, through seven weeks, you know, I I, I think it's absurd for Chip to say he's completely pleased with the way. He's well, what playing. else? I mean, like, That's what crazy. else is he going to say at that point? I agree. Either, I you know? you know, I know, but but I don't know. You know, well, say this... 
say he's got to get better still because he does. Well, yeah, and, and, and I, I think he does. But again, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't not, know. I, 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 I kind of take those at, at, at face value anyway. Like I'm not. Yeah. And especially yeah. with this, and this is this is what's kind of going around right now is this Ryan Matthews with the you know twenty twenty five percent of the carries, six carries yesterday. And then Chip comes out tonight or today and says, you know, that was communicated to me between me and Deuce that. You know, he pulled his groin on the on the twenty two yard run previously, and he was limited. It's not like he's you know he was still out there. He still went and, and broke that awesome you know sixty plus yard touchdown run. It wasn't really seen uh, that much. But uh, this and, is the uh, other thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, James. You no, know, it's just very interesting. If you're looking at Twitter now, this is a uh, the beat writers are questioning Chip on this one. McLean just put out a vine of the touchdown run, saying, "Does this look like a guy with a groin injury?" Uh, second Ruben Frank mem- mention of the podcast. That's a shock. Uh, he said, for what it's worth, I was at Ryan Matthews' locker post game. He didn't get treatment. He didn't have any ice. He didn't mention an injury. Uh, interesting stuff that the beat writers are coming out and kind of questioning Chip here. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I, I have a hard time believing that uh, Chip is going to make up an injury. I, or, I do too. I, no, and I'm not say saying that, that publicly just... because then that's like, then you're causing yourself like way more hot water than it needs to, rather than just being, yeah, it was just uh, just part of the game plan. And then we can skew him for that. Like I don't see that as, uh, you know, people are going to get jump on this thing, and I I don't I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean question it. Sure, I, I don't know if there there would really be to that extent of trying to defend why you didn't use him is because he was injured or said he was limited he said he pulled something he wasn't too sure about it like if your running back goes to deuce and says yeah i'm not really feeling it that well um i if it felt like it popped i'm not exactly sure what's going on and you limit the amount of stuff that he does i don't know i don't really see anything wrong with that here's my question to you though james uh do you have a problem with deuce daily calling who's going to be in and who's not going to be in like you know kelly has already gone and said it doesn't matter which running back is in there it's not designed for them. It's not specifically designed for any of them. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that got upset by by that, but I just look at it as, well, with the tempo that they want to run and with everything that's happening here, uh, it's really hard for Chip Kelly to go, uh, okay, I want Ryan in on this play, and I'm going to turn my head around and do you know, whatever it is to, <laughs> to get him on the field and make sure that he knows he needs to be there. I think that's why they have all the different positional coaches and everybody's sending in the signals. But do you have a problem with Chip Kelly not going, hey, I want Matthews in there? I'm closer to having a problem with it than you are. Uh, I wouldn't say I- I'm okay with Deuce rotating. I, I like the idea of, of fresh legs. I'm-, I'm all in supportive of that. But I think there have been times, and look, the groin injury, whatever, well, you know, who knows? But there have been times where Ryan Matthews is just definitively, definitively more productive than DeMarco Murray. And I think that, yeah, yeah, I mean, you have to factor that in as a head coach. I understand that you're you're delegating and you're trusting Deuce to make his decisions. But when the offense is just working better with another guy in there, yeah, I think you have to go to him more. I do. Okay. Yeah. No. And I agree. Like, I think there's at, at some point it you you just got to be like, hey, this isn't this isn't really working out as much. And I don't know. I just they they had they had some success with Murray early and even towards the second half. And there was a couple of plays that they still got in in there. But yeah, I, as far as a whole, Ryan Matthews needs to be touching the ball. I mean, this needs to be fifty fifty situational. 
Uh, and that was my biggest gripe yesterday. Granted, I didn't. We didn't know about the you know supposed supposed injury, according to Chip Kelly, et cetera, et cetera. But that's when you when you look at this. That's where I had a big problem with the game plan. When you look at this Panthers defense and how fast they are, uh, and the, the, it's it's just blatantly obvious that Matthews has way more of a burst, works way more with his feet. It doesn't stop running. Murray had a couple of times did that last night, and it really pissed me off. Um, but this, again, is where it's it's situational. If you have a weaker defensive line, you can go with Murray because he might be able to shed one of those blocks and then get an open space, and that's where he's really good. Um, but if you need those tough yards, and this is exactly what the Patriots do or we're planning on doing with Deion Lewis and Garrett Blunt, if it was a, a, you know, a really tough defensive line, they would stick Deion Lewis in there. He's shiftier. He can move around, guys. He can make people miss. If it's not, then they'd hand it off to Blunt and they just – you know, keep crushing you and crushing you, and then they run both of them at the same time. Um, I, I, it's to the point now where yet we can always go over the contract and we can have the debates of where that money should have been placed. I still understand why they did it. I still wasn't a big fan of what they gave them, the contract and everything else. But, um, yeah, at this point, it has to be 50-50 moving forward for me, James, if, the, if everybody's healthy. like, uh, and And even if that were to happen, and Dan Klosner brought this up, and I thought it was a really good point. Even if that were to happen, you know, Sproles is on his last years here. Use him. Use him a lot more in the running game. I don't get That's what I mean. I don't care, especially against that. So if, if you don't have the option of Matthews, you go to Sproles, and maybe that's what I'm, I'm, I'm missing here. Yeah, Sproles I'm, has been the John, go-to guy here, James. I'm, I don't understand how he's not on the field more than any other running back. I'm not saying he should get more carries, but – I we've always talked about the two back sets and, and having Sproles in there more often. And, and I still don't get it. Chip talked about in today's press conference, how he's never had a receiver here. Who's never who get, who garnered double teams all the time, but Darren does. So why not put him out on the field more? Why not take yeah, advantage Jesus of the Christ, fact yeah. that teams double team him? I don't get it. You, I would use Sproles uh, like in 70% of my offensive plays. I would have him splitting out. I would have him in the backfield. I would just make him a nightmare to defend and also just for defenses, to have to game plan for that much Sproles, I I don't understand unless they think that Sproles physically can't handle it, which from everything we've seen doesn't seem to be the case. That dude just seems to be able to keep going and going and going. I don't get it at all. All right. Well, uh, you know, we're, we want to keep it uh... – you know, nice and sweet here, but we're gonna we're gonna go to the BGN hotline because you guys absolutely should be fun. I like it. Tore it up. There was like eight, seven or eight phone calls in the hopper as soon as we turned it on this morning. Guessing so. a lot of positivity. That's right. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go there and uh, let's go to the BGN radio hotline. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267 245 6066. That's 267 245 6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. How you doing, BGN? You got Hunter McQuay here. Call from Clayton, North Carolina. I just watched fucking. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm Hunter. I just watched, oh my fucking god, and just hung up. That was like one of the best phone calls we've gotten, James. I think uh, I think that sums up the entire fan base's uh, feeling right now. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nailed crazy. It. Nailed it right to the core. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was kind of a beautiful thing. All right, let's go to our man Stephen Lee here. What's up, BGN? 
Stephen Lee checking in from West Palm Beach, Florida, after this most miserable and painful loss. Um, I think You know what I think the most frustrating part of this entire thing is? This is the best defense that we've had since 2008, and we are just letting that go right down the toilet because our offense is that bad. You know, it, if it's not Peters getting hurt, then it's just everybody dropping every possible pass. I don't understand how so many different players on one team can fail to catch the ball repeatedly. Jordan Matthews, you want to talk about a sophomore slump? This is complete regression. It's all mental at this point. I don't know where to go from here, but this looks like a 7-9, 8-8 team at best. Thanks. Whoa, Stephen Lee dropping the absolute hammer there. Uh, yeah, 7-9 and 8-8. Eight and eight. I, don't, I don't expect you to think any other, any other differently. Uh, here's the only thing I'll say. Still only one game back, three and four. NFC least at its finest, so I don't, I don't mind it at all. Um, but what, you know, I don't. The other thing he brings up, and it's a pretty good point here, James, is the fact that it is such a good defense. They didn't really play in a dominating fashion that they're used to. But I again, three turnovers and two field goals is also what kills this thing. So, what did you think quickly, just uh, defensively from last night? Oh, yeah, no question. A great point by Steven. Steven wakes up with us on Sunday mornings and calls us uh, on the Fanatic as well. Shout out to Steven. Um, I think he's got a great point uh, on both points, both about the drops, of course, and the defense. It's a shame, John. His defense is outstanding. They showed it again last night. You know, I think we saw Carolina a little bit be a little bit more physical. I thought you had to be really, really impressed with the way that patchwork O-line played. With Jonathan Stewart, man, he looks revitalized. He was a little bowling ball last night, just pushing piles. Really impressive performance from those guys. But on the whole, like you said, the defense got the ball three times, three interceptions of Cam Newton. Uh, one of them in, in within the what, 25-yard line of, of Carolina. They, yeah. they gave the Eagles offense and opportunities to make plays, to put up points, and, and they didn't come through. And, and he's right. It is, it is, a, it is a shame because. With a, with a decent offense, this team could, could really do something. And, and to, the, to his point about the receivers, man, I'm with you. I mean, you look at a team like the Vikings, and they've got a guy named Stefan Diggs who has just been outstanding the last three weeks. This guy was a fifth-round pick, and, yeah. and he had some personality, you know, whatever, you know, some red flags or whatever. But, but looks like he's all right now, doesn't he? You know, I, I think that it's frustrating when you see guys like Martavis Bryant and – uh, you know, uh, all these kids who were John Brown, all these people drafted after Huff, after Matthews, who are just really stepping up and, and producing. So I'm with you, Stephen. It's it's very frustrating. All right. Well, let's go back uh, live. Actually, the phones right now is uh, we've got the 856 on the line. What's going on, man? What's your name? Hey, it's, uh, it's Ryan. Hey, Ryan Jones. Jones. On, What's up, buddy? How are you? What's going on? How you doing, James? What's up, What's up Ryan? How you doing, brother? Uh, so uh, your, uh, no. your thoughts from uh, last night, my friend. Uh, I mean, you know, it was a tough game. To, it was a tough game. To, you know, defense played well for a while, and you know, offense just couldn't make plays. I just had a question about uh, some play call issues that I saw. Um, it seemed like the first two years under Chip, one of the staples of their offense was like the kind of a uh, you kind of had like three wide receivers uh, split to one side, and then it would be like a, a read option into a wide receiver screen. Like, what what's happened with that? They ran a wide receiver screen one time last night and it was on that like third and nine to huff and it just got blown up in the beginning. 
Yeah, it was, sure these, it, you know, like dunk passes to the to the flat. Seems like that's kind of like replaced that. A little bit. I, I, I think. That. I think. The, I think a part of that is, uh, and they did. They actually did have a couple of those options yesterday. They just didn't go to it. I think uh, Miles Austin early was doing one of those things. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really like the Josh Huff call at the third and nine. Although I will yeah, say, no. <laughs> if Lane Johnson makes that block, that's a house call for him because he made he made Norman miss, and he just needed one more guy, but they couldn't get there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. There was some. Uh, there was some kind of interesting. I don't know, I and mean, we appreciate the call, Ryan, for sure. Uh, but there was some interesting, I don't know, like some well, of that, it, it was weird. There was there was a couple of times where they actually went five wide, which I had never seen before, at least the, not that I remember, for a couple of series, which I thought was good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know. It's always a, it's always tough for me to, to go back and go, you know, where are these plays because they were successful, and then at the same time you're like, you got to change this up because they know the plays. You know, no, no. so I fit in that kind of like odd bubble, but I agree. Like, I, I think those things need to be there. Yeah. And I think a nice example of it, and it's a different kind of play, but was that 43 yard run that Ginn had last night. Um, you know, they, they just, they were creative with a, with a few running plays, Carolina, that one inside zone play they had, uh, I think it went for 40 or 45 yards. The first, the Stewart run on the, I think it was the first drive. That was a really smart play call. And you just don't see a ton of that. You know, especially when you go back to Chip that first year, uh, you know, he just did a lot of creative stuff, it felt like. You know, yeah. it wasn't – I know the offense is what it is, and it's, it's built off these premises of, of you know, the, the quarterback having the run, run pass decision and, the, the, you know, the, the vertical lines and using all the space in the field. There's a lot that goes into it, but we're not seeing any of those, like, uneven lines or, or uh, you know, like Ryan just brought up, just like, you know, throwing four wide receivers on one side and running the, the little bubble screen on the other side. Like, we're not seeing that kind of – misdirection and and kind of offbeat play calling that we saw from chip and i i think that's a fair point i think right now with a struggling offense is the time to maybe employ some of that stuff well and i think that is i think i still think for for whatever reason i know it's week seven uh and you're heading into the bye week but i just think it's there's there's still a limited playbook that is happening right now and whether that's uh not like people don't know it it's just i don't know maybe they just got to get used to it you know that's the only thing that I can think of is they're just they're just not comfortable running everything that they have there, and it's a dose of well this stuff really wasn't working, so you have to adjust to it. I don't know, but it definitely needs to be a little more creative, and that goes back to the same thing. If you can't be as creative with the guys who are on the field, that's a huge problem. That's a big problem, uh, and I actually think the as much as he hasn't been involved, Nelson Aguilar would have created something for you yesterday last night and you got to hope that he comes back in here because look it's the sad wide receiving core and i know i'm going to take one last phone call because i think uh craig from daytona brings us up here he is hey guys this is craig from daytona beach florida first time caller i just want to say it was interesting how there's nobodies on the panthers are a lot better catching the football than the eagles wide receivers <laughs> this team is seriously lacking playmakers at wide receiver Bradford might overthrow some passes, but it isn't impossible to catch all of them. A talented wide receiver should be able to make a play on those passes. We lost that talent with Macklin. He's gone. Whatever. Somebody else has to fill in those shoes now. I wish we had someone with half the talent that Julio Jones has. I know Nelson is a rookie, but I really hope he can step it up during the second half of the season when he returns from his injury. Well, yeah, you know, and he brings up a good point is why is it, and we ripped out this, James. We said you look at the 
the Carolina wide receivers, and it's, I mean, it is garbage compared to the rest of the league. It is Ted Ginn. It is, you know, Philly Brown. It's, Philly Brown. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't even functionless. It's it's. I don't even know if Kevin Norwood even got on the field. But there was in Jericho Cotri. It's these guys that shouldn't. I mean, it is it is the perfect example of like a two thousand and two Eagles wide receiving core. Like it is garbage. It's 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 crap. But I think it's the, even worse than that. Yeah, the difference between that I think is Cam Newton. I th- some part of that it has to be. Oh, of course, uh, absolutely. But again, why is it? That's a great point. Like, in in the same breath, that's why I don't understand. I was like, yeah, how come these guys can do it with really crappy wide receivers? By the way, let's get somebody that has half the talent of Julio Jones. Like, <laughs> those two sentences don't really belong together. But why do you think that those Carolina guys are having somewhat success? Is it all just Cam Newton? Uh, John, I think there are a few factors to it. I think one is Cam Newton for sure. Uh, but I think. Look, I think it comes down to confidence in a lot of cases. Look, I think that these guys are are feeling good. They're making plays that, you know, Cam is putting the ball in the right place for them. He's making it easy. The one thing you can say about watching Bradford last night in this season, even when he's looked good, he hasn't put his receivers in the best position to make those catches. Even if the throws are on, they're usually a guy bearing down on the receiver. Not always. Look, we've seen some just wide open field drops. But we've also seen some situations where Bradford hasn't necessarily led the guys into the best place. Uh, I don't think you saw that at all with Cam. We saw a lot of just streak routes where receivers are just wide open. And I think yeah. I think part of that is Cam. I think part of that is the worry that Cam could run at any time. So defenses really have to account for that. And and I think you see that with with guys being able to get a little bit more open in coverage and and Cam's making the right reads and making the right plays and making it look easy. So right. I think and- that's a big factor. And that's where I think that a lot of us can, you know, we we overvalue the wide receiver position in that regard. If you have guys like that, I mean, even with, uh, you know, it's way more talented and great. You know, Brady has Gronk and and everybody else, but it's just like you know, Julia Julian Edelman was not one of those guys that were your know, Brandon oh, LaFell. Like doing it's, it for years, yeah. Brady's whole career, other than when he had Randy Moss. It's the Troy Browns, the David Givens, all these guys who were just you know, you know. Okay, and I think a lot of that. Here's here's what I think it is. I think those guys have been journeymen for a, a, a good to, a good amount of time. They've been in some different systems. They know how it is. They're basically possession receivers with a tiny bit of upside, right? Ted Ginn's speed is still there. He's a good returner, but I I think that's the biggest difference is you have a veteran wide receiving core that has been in this league for a while versus. You know, Miles Austin, who's 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 had an up and down. Well, see, I, I, oh, yeah. I, I can't even make that argument because Miles oh, Austin and Riley Cooper have been in this league. So yeah, I think I think, but I think there's something to what you're saying. And but I they're think, also the most oh, let's, reliable let's, ones. I got you. Yeah, that, exactly. Which is crazy. But uh, I look at, uh, at James Jones going back to Green Bay as a nice example. Uh, a guy obviously knows the system, but he's someone who just works really well with Aaron Rodgers because James Jones has the ability to, when plays break down, get just a little bit of space. And Rodgers is so good that he, he just puts it right there. And Jones has great hands. So I think that you, 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 like the receivers and the quarterback obviously are not on the same page here, but guys like Brady, guys like Rodgers, they put that ball in that one perfect spot that makes it that much easier for the receiver to get it. And, and that much harder for their, you know, defensive players to get there as well. I think that that plays a role when we're talking about those specific guys, but I also think it's offensive fit. It's comfort. It's, you know, 
Brady develops a, a relationship with these guys and, and there's a chemistry. We haven't seen anything from that from Bradford yet. You hope it's going to happen, but so far there's just at no point this season has Bradford and his receiving core looked to be on the same page. And we're looking, uh, just looking at the chat board before I get and I see our friend Dan Schmidt from Sons of the Spectrum who's saying, you know, Chip says he needs, they, the wide receivers need to catch. Stop throwing him under the bus, Chip. And then the next one is Chip says Bradford's playing well. Why won't you rip him in public, Chip? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's just kind of that well, back and forth right. on it's Mondays, a great right? Point too. It's a great point. Uh, great. But uh, everybody else checking in the Mixler uh, app. Uh, Jake is out there, and all you know this this is James' words and Jake. That's not, I, I'm pretty sure it's not what he was saying. So Jordan Matthews should try as hard to improve because he isn't working. Laugh out loud. I don't think that's what James was saying. He was oh, just saying. Well, I'm just saying, like, like maybe let's try. Yeah, try something different. Whatever they're doing is not. Yeah, exactly. No, work hard. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like whatever they're doing right now isn't working. So maybe switch it up. Maybe find something other than the jugs machine at 7 a.m. to be his his plan to to get better. To find a way to not drop the ball. Maybe there's other stuff. Maybe you need to be working on his mental makeup, where he's at right now. Fix his confidence. Do you know? Uh, uh, you just whatever they're doing isn't working, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and uh, uh, Joe Williams <laughs> checking in. Don't believe for a second about Matthew supposedly being injured. He's uh, shown he'll say anything before. Yeah, but it's I don't know. You can't exactly lie about injuries. I think that there's isn't there like a, a union thing about that, like saying that players injured when it's not. I don't know. Uh, oh yeah, of course. But also, real quick, yeah. It, Jordan Matthews apparently with a right hand injury, oh, Les Bowen right. reporting. So uh, the convenient timing for that as well. Well, there you go. I mean, that could that could be some of the issues there. Then it's you know his hands hurt. Maybe he needs the bye week. Uh, a Kurt checking in. Kind of varieties on week by week thing. No, like Demarco Murray looked good last week. Matthews this week. Roll with the hot hand. Okay with giving Matthews twenty touches every week because of his you know injury history. But there are. Weeks where you got to take chances with him. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And that's basically what I was saying too, Kurt. It's just like you have to look at the defense, look what's working, and then keep doing the thing. <laughs> you know, if he's if Ryan Matthews is, is healthy and he's ripping off 60-yarders and 22-yard gains and just, I mean, Jesus, he just trucked whoever that was on that 22-yard pass or whatever, uh, just ran over a guy in the sideline. He's just he's just a ferocious, fast dude. Uh, he's injury-prone, but, you know, who is it in this league? But I, I agree. I think you have to eventually start taking more of the chances. If he's healthy, definitely more than uh, 25% of uh, the, the carries here. But I don't know, James. I, that's pretty much it. Uh, all my thoughts on the, on the Monday morning. I think there's just the, the bye week's going to be interesting and full of Fiery hot takes. We got the NBA starting on Wednesday to kind of tide us over. A little Flyers action, maybe. But uh, and Temple Notre Dame, baby. Temple Come on. Notre Dame. That's right. Thing. College game day. Come on, let's go, Owls. This is a uh, very exciting. As someone who again went to Temple twice, uh, first time back in 2000, it's uh, it's really exciting to see where this program is and and to actually have a, a real college football team to root for. Anything you else, uh, uh, or anything you want to add as far as uh, Eagles-related stuff as we're moving out here? No, just a quick shout-out to the hilarious Groats uh, Chip back and forth during this press conference here where Chip had zero idea what Groats was saying, and, and I kind of did too, but I love Groats, so that was all. Awesome. <laughs> um, I will say this. Uh, look, I, I understand everybody's frustration, and you have a right to be. Um, I don't know. I'm just. I'm just. I want to see this thing play out. I. I have a, a terrible time trying to make an opinion of Chip Kelly, the general manager, 
after seven games, especially when most of the moves ended up working out and the most important one hasn't yet. Um, and I, I, I don't understand, and to this day I don't understand, people just grabbing on and saying that other people are a chip apologist or you're a chip hater or anything. There's a really good middle here, Eagles, Twitter, and fans. Let's try and find it and get to it. Like, it, let's just be just be logical about it. There's a lot of people that just kind of jump down everybody else's throat here. It's not necessary. It's not needed. I, I, and unless they're completely wrong, then it's really fun and debatable. That's what Twitter's for. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I just I just feel like if you're if you're judging this thing in seven games, you have to see where it goes. Maybe they made a humongous mistake in 2014, and that's really where the crux of it. And that's that's still where my head's at now. We can go back and forth about how much money is being spent on these running backs, but then choose either Jordan Hicks or Eric Rowe or Nelson Aguilar and tell them to, to ship out because that's what you would have to do. I'd be happy with Duke Johnson and Ryan Matthews here, but you know maybe that I don't know. The, the, every move that had to be made this season was in such a tough position where you had to replace three-fourths of the secondary. You had to find another quarterback. And those were the two things that everybody wanted. So they did that. They hit on one for the most part. Secondary's been playing great. Missed on the other. So what this what this team needs, what this team always needs, and what we've wanted basically since Donovan left is stability at the quarterback position. So let's give it a little more time and see what happens here. Uh, for myself, John Barchard, for Mr. James Zeltzer, we thank you for listening to the episode number 124 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And if you are out there listening on iTunes, rate, subscribe, review, and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, I did it. I did it. I said all that. I made it. I almost made a perfect game, and, and I used the all that good BGN stuff. Radio. But uh, the outro is going right now, and I'm talking over it. So that's it for us. And thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Network. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.